0: So something I've definitely noticed on the Unity 2020 page, which I feel has been one of the largest criticisms against Dan Crenshaw, is the idea of um, do politicians serve the people? I think it's safe to say most everyone on the Unity 2020 page is in part there because they believe that you know the political system we currently have is broken, that political parties do not serve the people right now. So it was kind of controversial when Dan Crenshaw was speaking with Brett Weinstein and I mean Weinstein, and he said that actually, at the end of the day, uh, politicians do serve the people they do what they do in order to gain votes. That was something that many people have criticized him for and felt that Dan Crenshaw was a sellout for saying that, and that he shouldn't be trusted and he wasn't right for the movement. although well, I think there's a little bit more truth to what he's saying than people may think. well, it's you know pretty much undeniable at this point that politicians do in fact serve big big corporations that they do in fact serve their own political interests i mean you know just the story about biden alone proves that i mean it was a story that pretty much showed that biden has been collect or at least his son has been collecting lots of lots of money by trading on his father's name as vice president and big tech went out of their way to suppress this story in order for them to win so it is I think, fairly safe to say the fact that politicians are, you know, serving corporate interests and serving the interests of themselves. But I think there is more truth to what Dan Crenshaw said than people may think. And why I think that is politicians are serving the people It's just they're no longer serving a policy need. They are serving a moral need. Politicians today, you know, they say policies, but it's not really about actually changing things. It's about looking superior. It's about providing a facade of righteousness and facade that they're on the side of the angels. I mean, just listen to the Pence and um, Kamala Harris debate. You know, that was arguably the true presidential debate where it was just policy versus policy. And I think it's fairly safe to say that anyone of a rational, mind, rational and open mind who watched it came away thinking, okay, yeah, Pence demolished her. I mean, Kamala Harris is not a good debater. I mean, Tulsi Gabbard, like, absolutely destroyed her during the Democratic debates to the point that Kamala Harris dropped out of the race before she even started running in her own state. So, but, and Pence, on the other hand, is actually a fairly good debater. So it was already a very uneven matchup, and even beforehand, most people could tell, yeah, Pence is going to demolish her. And they were right. As far as policy went, Pence definitely had the upper hand. When it came to COVID, he made it clear that the Biden plan really isn't that different from the Trump plan and what Trump has already been doing. When it came to taxes, Pence correctly pointed out that getting rid of the Trump tax cut would, in fact, raise taxes for pretty much all Americans, not just the rich, but middle class Americans as well. He was able to point out that, you know, Biden and Kamala Harris have on many times said how they're going to get rid of fracking. Even though uh, allowing for deregulation and embracing fracking is one of the things that has allowed for greenhouse emissions to be reduced in the United States. And the fact that we've actually reduced our greenhouse emissions more than anyone in the Paris Climate Accord, which Biden and Kamala want to get us back in, even though the evidence seems to indicate that that would not be very productive at all. So as far as policy went, Pence absolutely demolished Kamala. But do people care about that? no I went on social media and what do I see Pence is evil because he dared to say that the Breonna Taylor case was perhaps a just ruling and perhaps our he had the audacity to say that our system does in fact work and that our system and that Brianna the people who were on the the court of or on the jury uh, for Breonna Taylor were in fact people of sound mind and were presented the evidence and came to the right conclusion. How dare he say that? And how dare he refuse to condemn the evil of this country and, and saying that we aren't systema- systemically racist? How dare he? He is evil. He is horrible. And of course, they gave great praise to Kamala for saying, "I am speaking," because when she did that, she wasn 't just speaking for herself, she was speaking for all women who were told by evil white men that men to uh, stop talking, and she was speaking up for all people of color who were told by evil white men. So stop talking. She is a hero. She, she is great. And she is the center of righteousness and truth. And she will lead our country. Well, she will sus- change our country in a way that we become more righteous, just like her. I mean, th- this is what the people want. Th- the, this is honestly what the people want. The politicians are, in fact, serving a need. Uh, it may not be the need we need, but it is, in fact, what we are asking for. And it, from what I can tell, people are eating it up. People praise people like AOC who show massive amounts of ignorance and moral ineptitude. They praise her because she says things that on the surface seem morally righteous. And they praise people like Bernie Sanders for promoting policy that seems morally righteous. While some people do uh, pay, there are progressives who do pay attention to policy. Most of them, I feel like only have a surface level understanding of it. In the words of Thomas Sowell, this is, uh, there are three questions that would destroy most of the arguments from the left. First, compared to what? Second, at what cost? And third, what hard evidence do you have? And the fact is, they don't even feel as if they have to answer these questions because it's not important. Policy isn't important, important. What Truth isn't important. All, no, that re- All that really matters, what really matters, is portraying yourself as morally righteous, is portraying yourself as virtuous and creating this facade of being on the side of the angels. And anyone who dares say anything against that is morally reprehensible and evil uh, Tucker Carlson talks about in his book how somehow the Democrats created this unholy alliance with the big tech and big corporations. You know, progressive-minded people, they really shouldn't be siding with Biden at all. I mean, they keep criticizing the 1%. Like, I just talked to my uncle, he said out the 1% is um, manipulating everyone and is causing everyone to be pro-Trump and everything. And I even saw one post on Instagram where people quite literally were saying, humans did not evolve the capacity to comprehend the number billion and that therefore the concept of having billionaires should not exist while i don't agree with that what seems incredibly contradictory is the fact that pretty much everyone on the 1% is supporting biden pretty much every, all the billionaires are supporting biden i mean jeff bezos who has more money than some countries he is he actually has a news website that is nothing less than anti-Trump propaganda. And sure, Trump talks about you know deregulation and perhaps cutting some taxes for the rich. But the purpose of that is to create more job opportunities. It's not to you know help out his rich buddies, like people will say. I mean, the rich people are... I mean, if that were true, then why the heck are the billionaires and the 1% supporting the Democrats? Why are they all supporting Biden? I mean, I can't even... You know, listen to anything anymore without seeing some sort of political undertones. I was even watching my burger show and they had to talk about the BLM movement. Even uh, Elmer Fudd doesn't have a gun anymore because of the political implications. I mean, it's gotten this bad. And what's really bad is the fact that people, I think, who are very apolitical are supporting it. I mean, I see people online who are. Uh, I mean, I know they're good intentioned, I know they're good people, but they are, in fact, promoting ideas that on the surface seem moral and good, but I don't think they entirely understand the political undertones. And because of that, it's uh, because of the idea of promoting BLM, which, of course, is true, of course, Black Lives Matter, but, of course, they don't want to, you know, they perhaps don't understand the implications behind supporting BLM, such as the fact that the organization says we need to dismantle the Western prescribed patriarchy and the fact that it involves things like, you know, um, universal health care and it also involves helping people that, I mean, well, I mean, like, well, it's always good to help people. BLM organization talks about helping a lot of people that are kind of outside the African-American community, such as, um, you know, homosexuals and trans people. I mean, there's nothing wrong with helping those people, but uh, the fact that, you know, I'm not saying that, it's bad to support those people. What I am saying is the fact that BLM, the phrase black lives matter has somehow become a phrase that includes so many, that has a lot of different political implications and because on the surface people are supporting it and you know, promote it because of course, you know, black lives do matter and you know, we do want to be moral, good people that believe in the rights and um, dignity of everyone. They do want to support it. Despite the fact that there are, in fact, serious and arguably morally reprehensible um, moral and political implications behind the phrase of Black Lives Matter, but of course, none of this matters. None of this matters because all that really matters is creating a facade of morality and being on the side of the righteous. And of course, when you, if you are supporting BLM, you are the righteous. And I've even said the seen the post. Well, multiple posts that say um, the way you can know that you would support the civil rights movement is by supporting BLM movement. No, that is wrong. That is very, very wrong. People have found a way to kind of use phrases like racist and homophobe in order not really to actually portray those people as racist or homophobe, but to treat them as subhuman, to portray their uh, argument as Morally superior and self righteous, and it's prevented them from being able to be any comp- any real conversations. And it's no longer about having policy versus policy; it's just about um, the good guys versus bad guys, the side of Satan and the side of an- the angels. And it's causing a lot of damage. And because there are phrases like Black Lives Matter, which of course are true, and are being supported by apolitical people, this. Conflict is continuing, and it's continuing a narrative of, you know, policies that on the surface seem good and moral are, in fact, less so and perhaps may cause more damage than people may be wanting to admit. So while Dan Crenshaw's statement that, you know, politicians are serving the constituents may seem controversial and people may, at first glance, disagree with it fervently, I'm telling you, When I go on social media, I see a lot of people satisfied with politicians. I see people that truly want government to have more power, that really want Biden to take control. And when he says Biden and Kamala Harris say authoritarian things, they just let it go. Because, hey, we're fighting a war against evil. So, you know, anything goes. A fascinating concept I heard from a New York preacher by the name of Tom Keller was the idea that a pluralistic society can only be in existence in a Christian society. The primary reason for this is the fact that what separates Christianity from pretty much every other religion is the fact that you aren't saved by your own actions, you are saved by the grace given to you by God. You know, other religions, like Islam, you gain enlightenment, well, you gain salvation through following the five pillars of Islam. And, in fact, in Islam, God Allah's love is, in fact, conditional. It is not unconditional. You must follow the laws and you must submit to Allah if you want to receive the grace uh, from Allah. And for Buddhism, you are able to achieve enlightenment through following the Eightfold full path. But Christianity, Christianity is the only religion that says, you know, no, you get salvation first, then you do the good works. And because of that, it's allowed... Um, or at least what it's supposed to do is allow Christians to be able to come to the belief that okay I suck. Uh my faith doesn't make me better than anyone and I have no reason to think that the Hindu or the Muslim next door is any worse than worse of a person than me. Their chances are they're probably a much better person than me and that's okay. That allows me to have discussions with them that allows me to be able to respect who they are because we're all equal in the eyes of God and we all have are created in his image and we all must you know be able to have patience with each other and recognize at the end of the day we all suck and there's nothing we can do to really change that and that what does allow us to not suck is the fact that we were saved by God through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross so, as I mentioned in my second podcast, one of the components of this movement is the irredeemability irrede- of it. Uh, I even saw see on social media ideas like, because the police were created in order to you know, enforce slavery, there is no way in which they can be good. All police are doing today, dis- it doesn't matter who they are, all they are doing is Um, imprisoning African Americans and infringing on their rights because that's what police were created to do and there is no redemption saw a similar argument with the presidency even though uh, Barack Obama was in fact an African American because the presidency was created in order to serve an oppressive society that subjugates African Americans the presidency and the country itself are irredeemable and there is no way in which it can become better and no way in which it can become saved and it's the same with individuals. Sure, they say you need to do the work, you need to check your privilege, you need to research things and read pseudoscience, moralistic books. But at the end of the day, is it enough? No. In fact, most books say it's never enough. And there is no redemption for people. And in addition with this movement, because everyone is seen as irredeemable and they truly do do draw the lines that if you are a Trump supporter, you are in fact the spawn of Satan and irredeemably evil, there's there's no limits to what you have to do to combat that. Whether that be Twitter and Facebook actively suppressing corruption stories of Joe Biden, hey, no, it's fine. All, it's all in the name of fighting for the greater good. You know, Trump is irredeemable, Trump is evil, and we must do whatever it takes to combat it. And as I mentioned earlier, similar ideas are seen with policy. You know, if you do not support healthcare, you are in fact evil. If you do not support pro-choice, you are in fact evil. And there is no nuance, there is no discussion, and there is no rationality because at the end of the day, all that matters is the narrative. And because of the secular roots of this movement, There is no redemption. There is no discussion. Everyone is evil, and there's nothing you can do to change that. Of course, this just quite simply is not sustainable. This is just going to continue to lead to more destruction. I think part of the reason this is being embraced, though, is a cynical idea I've uh, been able to come up with over the past few years just from observing people. Uh, I really wish I didn't think this way, but with some of the experiences I've had with people, I've come to the realization that most people, well, well, while this isn't true for everyone, but I've found that a lot of people really don't care all that much about doing the right thing. They care about being perceived as doing the right thing. They care about avoiding punishment from not doing the right thing, but I find it hard to... I've found that many people who perceive themselves to be doing the right thing are, in fact not, in fact, doing the right thing. And the primary purpose of what they're doing is quite simply to provide a perception of doing the right thing. And th- this goes beyond politics. I've seen it on left and right. But when I even attempt to have discussions with people on the left, they're just not interested. You know, Thomas Sowell's talked about this. He says it's hard to to have rational conversations with people who believe they have moral superiority. And because these people just quite simply have convinced themselves that, you know, they are on the side of the angels and that everyone outside themselves is nothing but irredeemably evil, there is no salvation for them and there is no need for them to even question their motives and question whether they are doing the right thing or not. Well, this definitely is a left... This can be true for the left and the right. Uh, interesting thing I found is... Um, It may very well be more true for the left, and here's why. Uh, Jonathan Haidt did a research um, project where he specifically had moderates, um, conservatives, and progressives um, try and get in the heads of the other side. Moderates were able to get in the heads of both uh, progressives and conservatives fine. They understood their perspectives very well. And conservatives, surprisingly enough, actually understood why progressives are the way they are about the same as moderates. they Just because they aren't progressive doesn't mean they don't understand their perspective. And the, the research seems to indicate they do understand progressives. However, progressives do not understand conservatives. When the progressives took the test, they yield, it yielded that they have no idea why conservatives think the way they do, and they really do not understand them at all. Because of this... I'm, of course, this isn't true of all progressives. There's plenty of progressives out there who are able to, you know, understand other people. Jonathan Haidt, who says he's a progressive, said after reading um, Thomas Sowell's uh, book on um, conflicting visions and the difference between constrained and unconstrained vision, he was very much able to understand conservatives much better. Of course, this is a problem. that The fact that you know the left and i think there was a time when people really didn't get so involved in politics when we were able to have conversations and we were able to you know not see the other side as irredeemably evil and we were able to come to proper conclusions but as i mentioned because politicians have been able to frame themselves as the centers of morality and righteousness that is no longer the case and this battle of politics is no longer a battle of policy. It's a battle of morality. And it's causing nothing but destruction on both sides. And there really doesn't seem to be all that much end to it. And the Unity Project is helping, but I don't know. Wh- whatever way the election goes, it doesn't seem like there. it doesn't seem like that will be enough for people to truly open their minds and actually want to have proper conversations. To be able to challenge their preconceptions so uh, guess what I'll be leaving, ending this on today I guess it's this will be a short episode hopefully I'll have a longer one next week hopefully an interview but I'll just end with this read, talk to people have conversations and try to have your preconceptions challenged it's one of the fo- foundational things that has made the west one of the greatest civilizations on earth the fact that we've been able to question ourselves, the fact that we don't think of ourselves as superior. You know, uh, in the first podcast, I mentioned the uh, video and we'll debate on the uh, superiority of Western values. Yet, as the people who are defending Western values kind of made clear is saying Western values is superior is actually a very contradictory idea because one of the foundational ideas of the West is the recognition that we aren't the best that there is something better, that there is something outside of us. And that tends to be something that is actually kind of unique to the West. You know, China, for most of its history, had a idea of ethnocentrism, in which they believed everything came from China and that China was, in fact, the center of the world. When Western ideas were first introduced to China, they actually truly thought that they were originally Chinese ideas that had just been lost to time, that no ideas actually came from the West, that they were, in fact, Ideas that originated from China and were just being reintroduced to China. So the fact that the West has been able to understand that, okay, yeah, well, which may very well be, be because of Christianity and the fact that true Christianity is recognition of our own imperfections and our striving to be better. And our concession that we'll never be enough, but at the end of the day, we should strive to be better and listen to other people. Because of that, that's one of the things that has allowed the West to be able to continually progress, and continually uh, improve, and be a better society, and be a better people, and continually make the advancements for human dignity, and rights, and science. And I pray to God that that may be able to happen again. So, as I said, have conversations, do research, and have your preconceptions challenged, because that is what allows society to progress. Having conversations, challenging your ideas, and coming to the tr- to the proper conclusions and at the end of the day finding the truth through humility and through a recognition that perhaps the full truth may not be realized but at the very least we can strive for it